Welcome to the Spiritual Warfare Network Podcast, the training ground for warriors in Christ who are ready to walk in their God-given power and authority. Apostle DeCoy Green is about to equip you with kingdom strategies and teach you how to strategically pray and effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now let's get into today's teaching. King, good evening, everyone. Again, this is Apostle Corey Green of Bond Overship Upper Room. King, I greet you all in the precious name of Jesus. Welcome those who are watching live on Facebook, on Periscope, those who are streaming on uh, YouTube or listening to, uh, watching a replay or listening to a podcast replay. Uh, certainly, I believe something to be said today that should have a great impact on your life. So I welcome you all. Uh, good evening to you. Good evening, Felicia, T. Hello, John, Lissa. Hello, Georgia. Can I greet you all in the precious name of Jesus? Hello, Tiffany. Everyone is coming on again to sign in. Amen. Good evening. Good evening. Jesus says that uh, major exposure to Amy today. Found out a program I was affiliated with was doing persist things. Well, I'm glad it was exposed. Amen. It exposed was going on behind the scene. Again, that's part of that, that praying and warning. You exposing the, the works of the enemy and, and it's being exposed. So what's going on behind the scenes? Amen. Hello, Courtney. Amen. So I'm going to open up in prayer and we're going to jump right on into the word of God. Father God, we come out, we praise, we glorify your name. We thank for this day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad. And we thank you, God, for the word that should go forth on today. We know it should go forth with power. And accomplish what you set out to accomplish in the lives of these your people, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for uh, opening our eyes to see our ears to hear that your word will take root in our lives, that we will apply it to our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, oh God, for continuing to push us, push us deeper, oh God, into your word, deeper into destiny, oh God, that we will apply these things uh, to our life. In the name of Jesus, we come against every distraction, every seed the enemy will try to sow to try to snatch this word. We blood block it and we cancel it now. In the mighty name of Jesus, speak to me, O God. Speak through me, O God, that you may be glorified. We give your name all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, so uh, a quick recap. Again, we're still on uh, our series uh, entitled Destroying Evil Altars. Last week was part three. Uh, and last week we talked about, uh, we continued on the uh, the battle uh, between two altars. So we continued the battles between altars. And last week, uh, we talked about uh, the, the Gali altar that um, that Elijah had set up when he had the battle between the, the false prophets and the false priests of Baal. Uh, and then the false prophets and false prophets and priests of Baal built their altar unto Baal and Baal was silent. Baal did not show up. Uh, they, they did all the sacrifice unto Baal and Baal ran, took off running because the power of God was present. Elijah erected his his altar unto God. Uh the fire from, from, from heaven came down, consumed the, the burnt sacrifice, the offering, consumed all the water, uh, and, and 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 left ashes behind. Pretty much it left nothing behind. It, it completely showed that God is a God who answers by fire, that God is a God who answers by fire. And so after that, then what happened? He took the, the uh, all the false prophets uh, of Baal, uh, took them down to, to the creek to be slaughtered, to be executed. And so and, and we were reminded again. Uh, from Deuteronomy 7, uh, seven godly instructions that God said to do. You must conquer them. You must utterly destroy them. 
You must take no, make no covenants with them. You must show no mercy unto them. You must destroy their altars. You must break down their sacred pillars and you must cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. So those are the seven instructions that God had already given. Again, whenever the enemy evil altars are set up, those altars must be utterly destroyed. Again, the enemy sets up those evil altars, which is warlock. So also sets up those evil altars to make sacrifices under Satan for power, for all types of different things, uh, or to send curses uh, to individuals, etc. And so as children of God, the power that we walk in, we must destroy those evil altars. Again, we must destroy those evil altars. And that's exactly what Elijah did. And also the evil priests that's working those altars. And Elijah executed the false prophets of Baal again. Uh, and so th that's a quick recap. And then the whole point of matter is that one altar, one altar that Elijah raised was more powerful than all the other altars that uh, the false prophets of Baal. They had, it was, you know, 850 of them, between 450 false prophets of Baal and 400 false prophets and priests of, of, of Asherah. And one altar. One altar that Elijah built spoke against all those evil altars, destroyed all those evil altars. It, it shamed those prophets. All the all the, the the sacrifices, all of those false prophets were making unto Baal. Baal dipped, and it took one man, one man of God, one Elijah, to raise one godly altar, and God answered by fire. So we showed the power of one altar. Amen. Uh, so that's just a quick recap of last week. So if you missed that, uh, make sure you go back. Uh, and watch that because as we talk about evil altars, I'm also putting emphasis on on raising godly altars. And so, uh, and so tonight we're gonna go a little deeper to that. Uh, and so tonight in part four, we're gonna talk about erecting holy godly altars. Again, erecting holy godly altars. All right. So if you're on Facebook, make sure you hit the share button. Uh, share it with uh, uh, this, this this Bible study with your followers, with your friends. Family on Facebook, on Periscope, I uh, swipe and share it with uh, your followers. Amen. All right. So again, uh, today we're going to talk about erecting holy godly altars and understand that a holy godly altar is the most powerful altar there is. Again, a holy godly altar is the most powerful altar there is. So, so I want to make that clear. It's the most powerful altar. And I, and I said at the beginning of the series that evil altars have power. Yes, there's a lot of power that can come from some evil altars, especially evil altars where a lot of sacrifices have been made. There's a lot of power that can come from those evil altars. There's a lot of harm, a lot of damage the enemy can do from those evil altars that's been erected. But a holy godly altar is far more powerful, far more powerful than any evil altar. But we still have to work that altar. We still have to do our part because. Just saying, okay, I'm a child of God, it's not going to stop an evil altar from working against you, right? So, so understanding our power, understanding our authority. So, again, one godly altar, we talk about raising godly altars, one godly altar can destroy countless evil altars, as we discovered last week with Elijah when he, when he, uh, when he, when he raised that altar uh, against uh, the prophets of Baal. He raised the altar unto God, uh, and so that one altar silenced all those other evil altars. So, so one godly altar can speak against all evil altars working against you. Again, one godly altar that you raise can speak against all evil altars working against you. One godly altar can cry out on your behalf to God 
to silence and, and literally silence the evil altars crying out to the enemy against you. So I'm going to say it again. One godly altar can cry out on your behalf to God and silence the evil altars crying out to the enemy against you. One godly altar. And again, it's not mandatory that you erect a godly altar, but there's a great benefit in doing so. We're going to get into those benefits today. And so the principles of godly altars have not changed. They haven't changed. The sacrifices have changed because a priest doesn't have to offer, you know, uh, uh, doesn't have to offer up animals as a sacrifice. They don't, they don't have to offer up animal, animals as a sacrifice on behalf of the people. Jesus Christ shed blood, became the ultimate sacrifice. Also, because of that, we are now priests and we can go to God ourselves rather than have to go through a priest. So Jesus' sacrifice automatically made you a priest unto God where you can offer up your own sacrifices unto God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus' sacrifice made you a priest unto God, meaning I can go to God for myself, right? And so, uh, and so a godly altar is also a memorial unto God. It's a memorial unto God. It's a meeting place for you and God. So that memorial is saying, Lord, this is what you've done for me at, at, at this altar, at, at the things I've cried out to you from at this altar. This is the, the manifestation that I've seen. So it's also a meeting place for you and God. So a godly altar is a meeting place for you and God. So repeat after me. A godly altar is a meeting place for me and God. Say it again. A godly altar is a meeting place between me and God. It's a meeting place. It's a meeting place. So, so keep that in mind. And so again, it can be a room. It can be in your car. It can be in your closet. It can be in your bathroom. Wherever you want to be, you can make that, that place where you and God meet. Wherever you have to steal away, sneak away, find that private, quiet time. However, as I said, you can erect this spiritual altar just in, 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 in the realm of the spirit saying, Lord, I raise this holy altar unto you. I cover it in the blood of Jesus. And then you can start making your sacrifice unto him, uh, uh, thanksgiving and praise him. And then uh, you can start calling out names that you're putting on the altar to be healed, to be delivered, to, you know, to be saved. Uh, certain things in your life, you can be putting, Lord, I put my finances on this altar. I'm putting my bank accounts, my, my wallet, my purse on this altar, these things, because this, you know, for increase, et cetera. Right. And so and so and so I'm putting perspective now. Now, and that's just in the spirit. But you can raise a physical altar. Because we think about it in church, they said, you know, come to the altar and you come up to the front or some churches have the actual altar where you can kneel to, et cetera. Some it's just an open space. And they said, you know, this 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 raised platform this in front of this area is the altar. Right. Um, uh, so so the altar can be anywhere. But again, you yourself can erect a physical altar. And for example, although I have a prayer closet. I also have a, a box with 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 prayer requests of mine, prayer requests of others. Uh, 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 those who are part of, of, of the church, their prayer requests and, 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 and it's prayed over and, and it's prayed over. And me, me and my wife used the same prayer closet I'm saying and, and got this this holy uh, uh, this altar that I I raised up unto God, submitted unto him. And it's, it's just a box. Like I said, you can create your own. You can use a table. You can you can use shoe box and, 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 and decorate it or put something on it and make it, you know, and, and, and so 
and saying, Lord, I'm raising this holy altar up to you. I'm, I, I, this is the place me and you're going to be. I'm putting my petitions on this altar. I'm putting my petitions on this altar. I'm putting my petitions in it. Or, or some, you can have a table and you can lay uh, things out and, 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 and you can lay out uh, uh, your prayer requests. You can lay out pictures and, and clothing items. And, and the difference is now in witchcraft, they raise uh, evil altars and they'll lay out articles of clothing or a piece of hair they got from someone, uh, something, you know, something that belongs to a person, et cetera, to do evil. But but that that's 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 but that's not an original thing. That's what they've done to do evil. But it's nothing wrong if you got a picture of a loved one uh, 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 who's in a hospital, who's sick or you want to get saved or, you know, you and I was talking about releasing that note and releasing not on your kids clothes on their shoes. You know, if they're rebellious, not acting right or just for protection, loose the anointing on in your car, loose the anointing on everything you touch. You go to the grocery store, loose the anointing because then which the wallets try to go and put curses on items. They try to curse things in stores because they understand the concept of releasing what's in you. So you're releasing the anointing of the Holy Spirit onto these things. So it sounds when you hear that type of stuff. Uh, now, you do have to be careful because there are some pastors who operate in witchcraft. Who tell us, send me your picture, send me this, et cetera, et cetera. And they operate in witchcraft. But I'm showing you and your own altar how you can raise these things. And, 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 and it's a point of contact. It's a prophetic act. You having a picture of a loved one. It's a point of contact. You writing out your prayer request and putting it on this altar. It's a point of contact. So I said you can use anything. You can use a table, a chair, uh, whatever you want to use, a backpack, a purse. You that that This is what you're going to use solely just for that. Solely just for that. If, if you have a table, then you can. You can you know, sometimes uh, 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 put communion on it, your, your uh, anointing oil on it, et cetera, whatever you want to do to make it yours. Right. And so and so, again, I, had, I just have a box. Prayer requests in it. Uh, all the prayer requests of, 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 of church partners, uh, uh, family prayer requests, individual prayer requests, things that I know that I'm interceding for different people, prayer requests. And, 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 and I'm hitting it. I'm, 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 I'm covering it. And I'm putting them on. I said, Lord, I put them on this holy altar. I raised this, them. I'm raised this altar up unto you that you will meet me here, that you will hear my petitions. And so they're on the altar. And they're now that altar, the power of the altar is now this altar is crying out on their behalf. Think about it now. When the witches walk and sources raise their evil altars unto Satan, they're, they're trying to put your names on it. They're, they're, they're doing an evil incantation, calling out your name, saying this is going to happen to so-and-so. And, and I've showed you examples uh, on uh, the Warriors Prayer Closet that some witches who openly bold about what they're trying to do, who they're trying to curse, or they're trying to hex, and they, they put what they're going to say on their, on their little websites, and et cetera. So some of them bold about it because they say, well, we're doing a good thing because this person has done some type of wrong. That's, the, that's how they disguise it, right? But... And so I told you about that. I've given you examples about how the enemy does those things. Um, you know, how they, they, how they're calling on the person's name and you shall receive terror. You shall have needles upon you. You shall receive nothing but pain or some any death curses, all these type of things. And so when they're raising their evil altars, they're, they're, they're calling out names. But when you raise a godly altar, you call out names for good, for them to be saved, for, for them to be healed. For, for for that door opportunity to open for them, for that for that job opportunity to come, for for their 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 husband, their wife to manifest, for 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 healing in the marriages, et cetera. So so now you're putting them on your godly altar. And the same way those evil altars, they make the evil sacrifices. And then 
Now those demons go to work because of the sacrifice. Because I say evil altars are never satisfied. They always want more blood. And so those evil altars are now calling out on behalf of whatever sacrifice were made to come up against whoever it was made against. But a golly altar, you putting people on a golly altar, racist golly altar saying, Lord, this is a mini place. I, I put them on his altar. Now the altar is crying out on their behalf for the good. It's crying out on their behalf. Remember, the blood of Jesus is the sacrifice that was made once for that we can now be priests unto God. We can raise our own golly altar. Again, is a physical altar necessary? Is it mandatory? No. But is it great benefits in it? Yes. And I'm going to give you an example of my own altar. That's in my prayer closet that I put prayer requests in, that I say, Lord, this is our meeting place. And, and it's a point of contact on this holy altar in this place. So, 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 so you have that ability to raise up, to create your own godly altar. And I'm telling you, there's a benefit in that. Because the beautiful thing about you raise your own godly altar is that altar will cry out on your behalf. It'll cry out on whoever you, you put on that altar's behalf. And then it will also speak against any evil altar that's trying to speak against you or trying to speak against the very people that you're putting on this altar that you create in your own home. Like I said, you can use a, a chair, a desk, a box. I just have a box. I just have a box that I, that I, that I put those requests in and, 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 and saying this is my meeting place with God. Is it my only meeting place with God? No, you can have several altars set up. Again, you have spiritual altars that you set up, then physical altars that you set up. You can have more than one. You can have one in, in your in, at your house. You can have one on your job, et cetera, et cetera. However you do it, you know what I'm saying? And, and being discreet about it, because of course some people don't understand certain things, um, but you put your prayer request in it, you know what I'm saying? Um, or whatever, however you want to go, go about doing it, put your prayer request in it, on it. You have a table, chair, whatever you use. So I'm just putting that in perspective. And what I just give you an example of what I do. And so I and then and, and so again, the altar will cry out on their behalf. And so I offer sacrifices unto God. And one of the main sacrifices is myself, presenting myself as a living sacrifice. Lord, use me. Or oh, I'm standing in a gap for this person, for that person. But use me. Burn away anything in me that's not of you. Anything in me or on me that's not of you. Burn away. Use me. Use. And when we're saying that, that's a serious declaration. Say, Lord, use me. Consume me in your fire. Because see, now, now we're living, in a sense, you, you yourself can become a living altar when you carry God's glory, right? And so, Lord, let your fire, I'm going to say, Lord, let your fire consume me. Let your glory come upon me. That when I speak, I speak your words. That when I pray, it manifests because, because I'm in agreement with you. I'm in agreement. So I'm raising this, this, this holy altar coming in agreement with you about these requests that I'm making about these prayer requests that are being laid out. I'm coming in agreement with you. Meet me here, oh God. Answer these prayers. Make, grant these requests. But I'm making my petitions known. I'm making my petitions known. Uh, so I'm saying, can a, can a new bed be an altar? Yeah, you can make, you can make uh, your, your bed an altar. Certainly, we're gonna, and I'll give you an example when we get into the scripture that we're going to cover, uh, that yeah, you, your, your bed can be an altar. Um, but obviously, uh, you want to make sure that, I mean, really the altar, you want it to be where there's nothing else going on on that except prayer, right? Now, resting or show, et cetera. But for example, you're married, et cetera. Uh, I mean, do you really want that to be the holy altar? I mean, you just got to put that in perspective. 
you want to be that place where God is going to dwell and not, he doesn't dwell in those settings, but where it's just, this is me and you, God. Um, so it's possible it could be a bed, but I'm just putting in perspective um, what all takes place, so to speak, if that, if that makes sense. Like it's, yeah, you can, you sleep on your bed, obviously, but uh, you might do other things in your bed. You might be folding your clothes on the bed. You might be eating on your bed, um, uh, which is fine. You know, you, you can go in front of your altar and you can say, oh, Lord, I'm going to sit down and just dine with you um, outside of, you know, Holy Communion. So that's cool, too. But just just put it all in perspective. Uh, what you're led to do for you, what works for you and your house and you and God and your altar, that's fine. So whatever works for you, it's all good. All right. So, again. Uh, so, again, I put it back in perspective again. So you raise your own godly altar. You can do it. And so I offer sacrifice unto God, as I said. Uh, and one of the main sacrifices, like I said, is myself as a living sacrifice. Uh, but there's also sacrifice of praise. Uh, sacrifices of thanksgiving, you thanking him, you praising him, etc. Uh, there's also financial offerings that you can offer up to God by co committing on the altar, saying, Lord, I'm going to sow this particular seed, this amount uh, for this particular thing. I'm, I'm sowing a seed. That's why I would tell you, never sow a casual seed. Name that seed. So in you and when you're in prayer or you raise a godly altar, you can commit to God that I'm going to sow this type of seed for whatever amount, amount you say, whatever Holy Spirit leads you to sow. But understand, there's a difference. That's not a tithe. That's not a tithe, but it's an offering. And sometimes you should sow an offering that you can feel. And we'll get into that later into this series about sacrifice on the altar. So you can sow an offering that you can feel. And there's an offering when we say an offering, a regular offering. And then there's a sacrificial offering where you're literally making an offering unto God about something. And that offering is costing you something. It's a sacrifice. It's a this. It, 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 you feel it. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's a sacrifice. So it's over and beyond what you might be comfortable offering at the time. But it's a sacrifice you make unto God. And so sometimes you'll be praying or raise your altar and the Lord will say, I want you to sow a sacrifice. I want you to sow a seed. And it may be an uncomfortable. That's what a sacrificial seed, a sacrificial offering is something that you will feel. That you will feel. Uh, it's funny, this lady was uh, talking yesterday, uh, and she was saying something about she, uh, uh, lady where, where I live, and she was saying something about um, the Lord kept telling her to give her, you know, she had a, her, her kid brought her an, an, a big iPad, but then she had this little iPad, but the Lord told her to give the other iPad to this one particular lady, and she was like, I don't want to give up my iPad, I don't want to give with this iPad, because I had it, it was a gift for my kids, and et cetera, and I don't want to give this iPad. And uh, and she was like, um, but the Lord kept, you know, impressing upon her to do it. She said she just hadn't seen the lady. She didn't have a problem being obedient. But she said, but she OK, but Lord, I'm, I'm going to give this up because I, you tell me to do it. You lead me to do it, et cetera. Uh, so I'm going to be obedient and sowing this into this lady, et cetera. You know, the, 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 the uh, sowing and reaping, et cetera, that concept. But that was something the Lord told her to do. Sometimes the Lord will tell you to do it. Other times you just say, Lord, I'm making this sacrifice for this to occur in my life. I'm offering a sacrifice unto you. And this is this is not a, just a regular offering. This is a sacrificial offering because it hurts, because I feel it, because it's uncomfortable. It's, un, it's uncomfortable for me. And so I remember so sowing some sacrificial seeds. And of course, God loves a cheerful giver. But some, I, I never sold certain at a certain level before. So it's kind of, ooh, Lord, Jesus, all right. Ooh, all right, your heart started racing, et cetera, et cetera. But, but understanding the principle of, 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 of 
uh, of sowing and reaping and sacrificial seeds. So there's some things that you put on the altar. Yes, it'll be Thanksgiving. It'll be praise. But sometimes he will have you to offer up uh, uh, a certain offering, a certain uh, a seed, financial seed, he said, and you committing to him on the altar, I'm going to sow this and I'm going to sow this amount, etc. So all types of offerings can be offered on your godly altar. All right, let's go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 8 through 16. It's our foundational scripture, and then we're going to take off from there. Hebrews 13, verses 8 through 16. Again, we talk about erecting holy, godly altars. Hebrews 13, verses 8 through 16. That's Hebrews 13, 8 through 16. I'll reread the New King James Version. Here's what it says. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not been which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So understand. So there, there were some Jews who had not accepted Jesus Christ, of course. And the Jewish priests were able to eat some of the leftovers of the animal sacrifices in the temple. But the apostle was letting them know that those who had not accepted Jesus Christ had no right to eat from this altar. So you, you say you can't you can't eat from the altar of Jesus Christ if you have not accepted him. And so Jesus Christ, we know, was the sacrifice on the cross and shed his blood once and for all uh, for the atoning of our sins. He, it, it covered our sins. So the sacrifices of animals for sin was now null and void. It carried no weight. And so Jesus Christ's sacrifice now made all those who accept him priest unto God. It was Jesus Christ's sacrifice. That made all those who accept him now a priest unto God. And that is a big deal. That is a major, big deal. A major, 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 big deal. And I have to continuously remind you how big of a deal that is. Because under the old covenant, you could be a king and a prophet. You could be a prophet and a king. You could be a priest and a prophet. A prophet and a priest. But you could not be, under the Mosaic law, you could not be both king and priest. It went against the Mosaic law. You could not be both king and priest. Jesus Christ sacrificed, as the word of God says, that because of his sacrifice, we became kings and priests unto our God. Before they had to go to the priest, they had to go to the priest for the priest to make sacrifices 
on their, on their behalf, goats, lambs, uh, cows, etc., uh, birds, to make sacrifices on their behalf for their sin or a Thanksgiving offering, a grain offering, you know, first fruit offering of the, you know, from the increase of their harvest, they brought a first fruit offering, etc. So all these different But the priests were the one who went in to make sacrifices for the people. Of course, they they slaughtered the, the animal on the outside of the, the camp, as the scripture talked about the going outside the camp, so to speak, and then they went into the uh the the the, the holy place, right? Uh, and then to the holies of holies, right? And that was where the, you know, they had the ark, et cetera, set up where God's presence was. God's presence was in the holies of holies. When Jesus Christ died, the, 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 the veil to, to, those, to, to those different compartments, the holy place, the holy place was now separated. So now everyone, not just the priests, had access to the holies of holies, to the full presence of God. So now you are a king, and that's gender inclusive. And a priest unto God. So it's a big deal what Jesus did that we can now go to God for ourselves anytime and as many times as, as we want. Right. And so, again, so the Jewish priests would not accept Jesus Christ. They couldn't partake in his altar. The cross became an altar. The cross became an altar. So when he says this altar, he's talking about the altar unto Jesus Christ in which we worship him. We worship him in our hearts. And through our lips, he said, lips by giving thanks unto him. Verse 15. And so those Jewish priests could not partake in the Lord's Supper because they had not accepted Jesus Christ. They were missing out. Now, of course, we know that there are Jews who have some Jews who have accepted Jesus Christ, known as Messianic Jews, because they believe in the Messiah, they believe in Jesus Christ. So then they are they're, they're in the fold. But then there's some Jews who have not accepted Jesus Christ, just as the same Jews who crucified Jesus Christ. Who rejected Jesus Christ, there's some who still are blinded and rejected him now. So look at the power of the Lord's Supper. That's why I say, even sometimes, uh, when you set up your altar just in your own home, take communion with you yourself, you and your family, have holy communion. You don't have to be in church to have communion. You are a priest in your own home, you can consecrate it, submit it unto God for holy use. I said your bread, water, uh, uh juice, wine, etc. You 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 submit it for holy use unto God. And partake in Holy Communion. That, that's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. That alone can bring healing. That alone can bring breakthrough. That alone can bring revelation. That's what he's talking about. This table, this part, we can partake in the Lord's Supper. But, but those who, are next, who have not accepted Jesus Christ cannot do that. So they were missing out. So the apostle was witnessing to them. So verse 8 makes it clear that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today. And forever, he doesn't change. The people were warned not to be carried away with false doctrine and teaching that was antichrist. So going back under the law was not profiting. Was not profiting them. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't profit them at all. Why? Because Christ already fulfilled it, and grace was what they were to live in. Because Christ set us all free from the curse of the law. The law can never bring salvation. It can never bring salvation. It was just showing you of what what things you need to do to be stay in line with alignment with God, but it was never able to bring salvation. Jesus Christ brought salvation. Yeshua Hamashiach, he brought salvation. And so verse 9 talks about the heart being established by grace. 
the heart being established by grace. And so the heart in this passage means the center of or, or, or the seat of our spiritual life. It also means the soul, which we know is the seat of our mind, our wills, our emotions, our appetites, etc. the soul. And Jesus Christ, again, must be the center of our life and to consume our mind, our soul. And if the soul is wounded to a place where the thoughts are also bad, it can create other altars on the heart that are opposed to God, that rejects God. And we'll get into that down the road. And so we are to continue to chase after Christ. We are to worship him and we can go to God through Christ because of his sacrifice. We can now erect an altar unto God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you understand how great of a privilege it is that you yourself can erect an altar unto God? Your meeting place with God, where you and God meet, where the, where the holy invades the human. So where, where, where eternity invades time. We can go and, and raise our godly altar. Like I said, your spiritual altar, but also you can create a physical altar, your meeting place with God. And where you put sacrifices on it or in it, etc. And it cries out. I'm showing you the mysteries now behind a godly altar. That's why even when we talk about the feast days, such as Feast of Trumpets and uh, 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 Feast of Tabernacle and, 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 and Yom Kippur, etc. All these things that we celebrate, is it mandatory now? No. But is it so blessed in it? Yes. Can we still celebrate Passover or Resurrection Sunday, right? We still celebrate Pentecost. Those are feast days of the Lord, but but also uh, uh, feast of tabernacles, feast of feast of trumpets, which is the new year on God's calendar. There's, there's so much benefit in observing it. Is that? It? But it's not being religious. It's it's observing it because of, of of it's still God's holy special days that He said those are His days. And so the same thing about raising a godly altar, a godly altar in the spirit. Anywhere you go, you can raise that godly altar in the spirit. But then you also have that place where you establishing your own physical altar. Whatever you want to use, I keep on saying this: it's a box. Like said, mine is a box. You can and you can put prayer requests in it, other things in it, pictures, you know, or whatever case be points of contact, uh, uh, your wallet, or anything. You know, what I'm saying things that that represent certain things in your life or certain things you believe in God for. Even even your visions. You used to be up people talk about vision boards and. You cut it out. You can cut out certain things that represent what it is that you believe in God for and put it in on that altar so that that altar, when you're not even at the altar, the altar still so speaks. I'm telling you the mystery of an altar. When you're not even at that altar, that altar will still cry out unto you because of the sacrifices that were made unto it. And the blood of Jesus is on that altar. And the blood of Jesus always speaks. I, I, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get you to understand this principle. Now, you put the blood of Jesus on this holy altar. There's life in the blood. The blood of Jesus speaks. Again, the, the repeat after me. The, the blood of Jesus speaks. Say it again. The blood of Jesus speaks. And, and, and that just hit my spirit just in, in a certain way right there. When I say the altar crying out. Uh, uh, so, so you put Jesus' blood. On, on your altar, then, then guess what's going to happen? When you're not even there, the blood of Jesus will cry out. The blood of Jesus will cry out on your behalf. 
And then the blood of Jesus will cry out on your behalf. Did you, did you catch that? The blood of Jesus has this there's life in the blood. The, the blood speaks. Blood speaks. And that's why witches and warlocks can raise the evil altars under Satan and make their sacrifices and, and put blood on the on altar and, and because they crave that blood. Those demons, live, they, they, they live off of that blood. They gain strength through the blood. Demons gain strength through the blood. Through any type of blood. But when you yourself, absolutely, there's a blood that speaks that, that speaks out on our behalf. Better than that of that scripture says better than that of Abel. Remember when, remember when Cain killed Abel, and it said that his blood. Uh, God came to uh, Cain. He said, "Cain, where's your brother?" And Cain, like, "Am I my brother's keeper? Why are you asking me?" He said, "Oh, please understand. Abel's blood is crying out from the ground. I heard the blood. So that innocent bloodshed it cries out from the ground. The blood of Jesus cries out from your godly altar when you're not even there, and everything you put on that altar. The, now the altar." That you raise is crying out on behalf of every petition, every name you called out, everyone you put on that altar. The blood of Jesus is now crying out on their behalf for vindication, for justice, for healing, for deliverance, for breakthrough. Are, are, are y'all getting this? Are you getting the importance of why you should, though it's not mandatory, why you should raise your own private, personal, godly altar? And you can have more than one. You can have one in you. In your bathroom, you can have one in your in your your closet, wherever you find a place, and you can you can even put it away someplace, and then you can pull it out and say, okay, right here, Lord, I'm going into prayer right here, raise the holy altar. And as someone said before, um, you don't make it into an, an aisle, you know what I'm saying? But this is a place where God's presence shows up, where, where you and God are meeting. It's not an idol. You're not worshiping the 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 altar. You're worshiping the God of the altar. Notice the difference. You worshiping, worshiping the God of the altar. But please understand this altar has power. It has power. It has power. Someone says there's a golden bowl in heaven. There's a, a, a bowl, a bowl of, of incense. Uh, I mean, uh, when we pray, it says it goes up, it goes up and uh, goes up into heaven. Uh, there's even uh, scripture even talks about how they even bottle our tears into heaven. So it goes up as a memorial unto God. So there are bowls and Etc. Uh, of our prayers that goes up to heaven uh, as a memorial unto God. Scripture talks about our prayers being a memorial unto God. So I'm showing you the power of the blood of Jesus speaking when you raise a godly altar, covered in the blood of Jesus, put your petitions on there, whoever you're praying for, whatever you're praying about, and the blood of Jesus will speak. It will cry out on your behalf. It will cry out on behalf. Now, you still be consistent and persistent and praying and going and praying and praying and praying until you see the results. But that blood is crying on your behalf. And it also will speak against every evil altar that's been raised against you. You can the same way. Think about it. The same way witches and warlocks telling these demons where to go. You raise a godly altar. Angels are going to work on your behalf. And you know you already can give command to them. Heavenly host where to go, what to do, where to fight. So, so, so the same way they're sending demons from their altars, we're sending heavenly hosts. We're sending angels from our altars. So, so you see, everything God creates, Satan tries to tries to duplicate, and he gives a, a knockoff, a, 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 an evil version of it. He's not an original. He knows these principles. That's why a human age of darkness. They understand this. They already understand 
releasing of the anointing. Of course, it's not the anointing for them. It's releasing of evil. They understand the importance of altars. That's why they still raise them. Look at the mysteries. Now, I'm showing you. Look how witches and walls and swords still raise evil altars. Because they know that there's power in an altar. They know that blood still cries out from an altar. Jesus Christ already shed the blood. So we know we put the blood on the altar. The blood of Jesus Christ will cry out from our altars. Are you getting this? Is this sinking? And I, I, I'm praying that it's clicking for you. That you understand the significance of you setting up your own physical altar. Creating your own physical altar unto God. Amen. And so. And so, again, we continue to chase after Christ. We're to worship him. We can go to God through Christ because of his sacrifice, as I say. We can erect an altar unto God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then the cross, again, was the altar in which Jesus Christ was, was crucified on. So, again, the cross was the altar on which Jesus Christ was crucified on. Now we can raise altars on the foundation of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which, again, was the ultimate sacrifice to give us the right to approach the throne of God. It gives us the right to make petitions unto God for ourselves. Keyword for ourselves. We can go to God for ourselves. So again, this altar, this cross that Jesus Christ died on, was crucified on. This powerful altar changed everything. The cross was the game changer. This altar changed how we could approach God. The altar of the cross changed how we could approach God. The blood of Jesus speaks again. The blood of Jesus speaks. Again, put Jesus' blood on your altar and the blood of Jesus will cry out on your behalf. Even when you're not present. Even when you're not present. Because you've already made sacrifices there. You already made sacrifices there. And so we are now, again, priests unto God. And we get the honor and privilege to go to God's throne anytime and as many times as we desire. There's joy in that. And the good news is that God wants us to keep coming. He, 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 he desires that fellowship. He wants you to keep coming. So Jesus was lifted high on the cross as he stood in the gap for our sins. He sacrificed his life for ours. And the good news is he rose again. Probably now he rose again. He was put on the altar, but he rose again. So whenever you place something on the altar that seems dead, that seems stagnant, that seems delayed, that seems to not be moving in your life, your sacrifice and your prayers unto God can cause the altar to cry out on your behalf and resurrect it and completely change the situation or the person. And then now you say, Lord, I'm making a sacrifice. That's why we fast. I'm making a sacrifice unto you. We offer a praise of thanksgiving for all he's done, all he's yet manifest in life and worship him. Sacrifices. That's why we sow sacrificial seeds. And I say, Lord, I'm sowing this seed for this thing. And this is a sacrificial seed. This is an uncommon seed. There is a such thing as an uncommon seed. And you get it. So an uncommon seed, you get an uncommon harvest. What happened when it was a famine in the land? Jacob sowed in the land. There was a famine. It was a famine. There's no way you're going to sow in a famine and reap a harvest and not a good one. But he sowed in the, in the famine during a time of, 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 of a great drought. 
through the obedience of God, he sowed in the land. And in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. In the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. A hundredfold harvest, like you talk about planting crops, was definitely uncommon. It was very uncommon. Because, you know, things, animals could not eat it or, or other things, bugs, insects. So a hundredfold, I mean, every seed you planted, everything was planted, everything bloomed and blossomed, everything was a perfect harvest, nothing was lost. Nothing was lost. Nothing was lost. And so with that being said, he sowed an, an uncommon seed during, an, during a famine and got an uncommon return. Sometime the law will stretch you to have you to sow some uncommon seeds. Some uncommon seeds that's going to make you uncomfortable. But sometimes you say, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? I'll never forget. Uh, we, we, my wife went on this. We went on this 10 day fast. We're like, All right, we're not going to eat nothing. We're not going to drink nothing. We're going, we're going, we're going. Cause it, I, I want it to power. We want it to power. I want more. I want more. I want to see more. I want to see more miracles. I want it. I want it. I want it. I'm not satisfied until I see it. Now, in that time, I didn't have a godly altar raised. And so, uh, and so I remember after the first couple of days, you know, I was like, man, all right, all right, it's all right. But by the time day five rolled along, oh, Lord Jesus, by the time day five rolled around, by the time day five rolled around, that's when it got real. That's when it got real. I mean, I started everything. I was sensitive to smell. Everything was just, I could smell everything a mile away. Everything, not really, I guess, a certain detox symptoms really that I was going through, we were going through. I mean, I was struggling. I mean, she was struggling. And in a point, it was so funny. <laughs> uh, the first five, the, the second five days, we drank water. The first five, we didn't. And then so I remember we just was just go to the water, uh, to the sink and just put water in our mouth. <laughs> we didn't drink it, just put water in our mouth. It's just, that, and, that, and that felt good. But the second five days, the rest five days, we, 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 we drank water. But the, the thing is, that was a, a sacrifice for us at that point in time. I'd never been on no 10-day dry fast, eat nothing, drinking nothing. I'm just thinking about it now. To this day, this the, the food, the, the, the food that we ate when we got down with that fast. And I'll never forget, it was like on the end of the fast, like I just dry heaved. Like I didn't nothing was in it come out. I just and I ate and I didn't I didn't even want to eat. I wasn't even hungry. I didn't even want to eat it. I, I didn't even want I and to this day. That was one of her favorite meals. And to this day, I don't want that because I tie it to that, to how I felt at the end of that fast. Like, I don't even want to eat that anymore. The thought of it turns me off because I, I remember how I felt at the end of that fast physically. But spiritually, oh man, was so many great revelations, so many great things that came from that fast. It was even some deliverance that came from that fast in our own lives. I'm telling you, sacrifice. There's some sacrifices that you have to make. I'm, I'm getting off of my topic into another lesson that we're going to get to later in this series, but as the Holy Spirit leads, there's some sacrifices you will have to make that's going to be uncommon because you're saying enough is enough. And I'm putting this on this holy oath. I'm committing this unto you, O God, and some sacrifice that's going to stretch you. You might have to do something that you haven't done a long time, but that you don't really want to do, but you know it's a sacrifice on the altar. Hello, somebody. I'm trying to tell you. So, I give you one example of a, just an uncommon seed. That was just a financial seed. But there's other things that, that he, he might be saying, okay, I want you to give this away. I, I want you to give your car away. I want you to clean out your closet. 
and I want you to give all this stuff. It, many different things, things that, that no, not the stuff you don't wear no more. I want you to. I, I heard people tell stories, man. The Lord want me to give you my good stuff, man. I, I not my good stuff. I, I ain't even wore this stuff. There's stuff that you know. So he'll have you to make certain sac. Those are there's certain sacrifices he will put on you to do, and some sacrifices you have to say, you know what? I'm making this sacrifice because I've gone around this mountain long enough. I've been around this thing for too long. I'm making it. I want this altar to cry out on my behalf about this. And Lord, this is the sacrifice I'm willing to make for it. I'm, I'm talking to somebody today. This is the sacrifice that I'm willing to make for this. So what, what, what's that sacrifice for you? The Lord will deal with you. Holy Spirit will deal with you. Wh whatever that looks like. Whatever that looks like. And so, and so, so again, Whenever you place something on the altar that seems dead or stagnant in your life, your sacrifice, your prayers unto God can cause the altar to cry out on your behalf and resurrect it and completely change the situation or the person. And again, we know witches and warlocks erect evil altars all the time in an attempt to kill your destiny and anything that belongs to you. But a godly altar can resurrect it and also at the same time destroy anything coming from an evil altar towards you or whomever you have on that golly altar. So you have a great advantage at a golly altar, not just a corporate or public altar gathering at a public altar, but your own private golly altar that you erected. That's why I'm stressing the importance that I highly suggest you create your own altar in your home or you can have it in many different places. Like I said, whatever you want to use. Those who just coming on again, if you want to use a box, I use a, I use a box and I put prayer requests and I put petitions in it. And, and, and as I mentioned today, now I'm going to put some things in there that prophetic acts that represent certain things that uh, I'm believing God to manifest in my life, in the life of others, et cetera. Uh, and, and again, all of our, our, our church partners, we, I put them in there, all the prayer requests that I have and the praying on it. There, there's things that people mail in uh, prayer requests, putting that on the altar and and, 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 and and raising this godly altar and say, Lord, meet me here. I know you're going to meet me here in my prayer closet, but I pull out my altar. An altar is not an idol. It's a it's a it's a meeting place with you and God that you say, Lord, you're gonna meet me here, and I'm I'm making these sacrifices on this altar. You gotta make the sacrifice somewhere. So we have the spiritual altar and then a physical altar that you can erect that also uh causes things to happen in the realm of the spirit. So just putting that in perspective for you, why I suggest that you raise one, because then you put the blood of Jesus on that and then that altar will cry out on your behalf. I keep stressing the point that the altar will cry out on your behalf because the blood of Jesus will cry out for you and whoever you're praying for, whoever you petition for, whatever you have and on that altar or in that altar, uh, whatever you use, and it will cry out even when you're not present. And the Lord will, will delight in you coming back to fellowship with him. To delight in you coming back to, to fellowship with him. Right? And so... Um, and so again, and I say, so even with Witches and Wallace tried to, they tried to do all type of things. Um, and, and someone sent, uh, sent something to me today uh, from someone in our, our, our current uh, Deliverance and Soul Healing class. And, um, and, they, and, and they, they, this, 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 uh, this celebration, of course, uh, uh, you know, known as day, day of, uh, the, the Day of the Dead, uh, the Day of the Dead. And, uh, but they, they, they found something that was unique, that was interesting. Uh, it's it's this celebration. A lot of Mexicans celebrated whatnot, but it's essentially they're honoring the dead, quote unquote, honoring the dead. But some of them go to cemeteries and and they raise altars 
or, or, or they have these flowers called marigolds. So the, the, the flower that they use is called the marigold flower. Uh, uh, and it's one of the most, it says it's, you know, easy recognized flower, whatever case it be. But it said that those flowers or, or the scent from those, fl those flowers uh, uh, guide the spirits to their respective altars. To their respective altars. Now, we know this is a satanic event, something that Satan came up with. But here they are honoring the dead. And you see pictures of skulls and all that stuff like that. So they're, quote unquote, honoring the dead. But really, they're summonsing familiar spirits. And it, and it happens again around, quote unquote, Halloween, October 31st, like November 2nd, something like that. Uh, and there's a lot of satanic rituals that goes on through this time. A lot of sacrifices are made by witches and warlocks all across the globe. It's a high time, a high holy day for them, where it's just a lot of evil, a lot of sacrifices, et cetera. Uh, and this being the whole month of October. But this day of the dead, literally, they use these flowers, quote unquote, to, to, to summon the, the spirit, that it'll entice the spirits of the dead. And they're supposed to go to the cemeteries to pray for the dead. Praying for the dead, they're already dead. They're they, they already dead. And we know there's some theology, some erroneous theologies that uh, some practice, uh, uh, like the Church of Latter-day Saints, et cetera, who believe that they can still pray for someone who's dead and somehow get them saved. Uh, but again, erroneous doctrine, false doctrine. But but I'm just showing you that this goes on right, right all around us. And so and so I appreciate that they sent that today because the point that stood out to me, of course, in reference to the day of the dead, I, the day of the dead, I know a lot of different activities happen, but that they, they, they the altars that were mentioned, they're trying to guide the spirits to their respective altars. Yeah, you're right, because there's, there's different altars for various different types of demons, right? And so putting that in perspective, so we, our godly altar can come against it. And I'm saying that during this time, especially with uh, the, 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 the occultic holiday, uh, uh, demonic holiday of Halloween and all the stuff that goes on and, and, and think we, you know, some people think it's cute and fun and, and whatnot. And I know some churches have alternatives or whatever case would be, but um, I'm not gonna get into that whole teaching. That's a whole nother day. But showing you that, Things were real going around the spirit during this time. Like, like there's major evil sacrifices, major altars being raised to try to stop our progress. And so our godly altars can speak against it. Our godly altars can come up against it. It's the power of a godly altar. The power of a godly altar. All right, let's see. Uh, I got one more scripture here. We're already at 8.30. I'm trying to think. Uh, Right, let's go to let's go for it. it won't be like Genesis 28. Genesis, Genesis 28, verse 10 to 22. I want to make sure I cover this. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 22. Genesis 28, verses 10 to 22. For the sake of time, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba. And went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on him. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, 
all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been called Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way, what I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And Sean, you mentioned earlier about a bed as an altar. So literally the stone that he laid on, the sleep on, he then erected it as an altar once he recognized that he had an encounter with God. This God, God visited him there. So then he made that, that stone that he had slept on an altar. So that's why I give you an example. I say I'll give you an example later about that, uh, so to speak. And so, um, I mean, it's possible when you talk about bed, another idea of thought is even a pillow. You can make a pillow an altar and, and have the pillowcase and, and you can stuff things inside that pillowcase, you know, prayer requests and, and, and prophetic acts of pictures and certain things you can put inside that pillowcase and use that pillowcase as an altar. I mean, that that pillow inside a pillowcase as an altar. So you can get you get creative with whatever you led to use as your altar. I just like to say you have it something where you can put things in it or on it. Something you can put some things in or on top of, set on top of it. Prayer requests, things of that nature. So, so here we see that Jacob was in this particular place. He went on a journey without anyone else. He went on a journey without anyone else, and, and, and he had this dream from God. He saw angels ascending and descending on a ladder, and a ladder could have, could, could have also been some type of steps. And so this was a spiritual portal where angels who were assigned to carry out assignments on earth would come and go. Notice I said it was a spiritual portal. And we know that some angels also come for our words uh, and brings answers from God. Daniel chapter 10 is an example. When Gabriel came to, to, to Daniel and said, I've come for your words. From the first day you prayed, I've heard you, etc." cetera. And, and, so, and so I'm just putting it in, in perspective. And so, uh, and, so, and so what happened is, and so what's amazing is that this same area that Jacob was in, it's the same area that God appeared to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, in Genesis 12, verse 7. So in Genesis 12, 7, this is the, Genesis 12, verse 7. This is the same place that Jacob's in that God appeared to Abraham. And he called the place Bethel, meaning house of God. So notice in verse 16, after Jacob woke up, he said, surely the Lord is in his place. And I did not know it. And so he said it prophetically that it was the house of God because he knew in the spirit. He knew that God had once dwelt, dwelt there and appeared to Abraham there. And he also knew that it was the gate of heaven. He had discovered a portal of heaven on earth. Please understand, you set up a godly altar that you keep going to and, 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 and put, make, putting your sacrifice unto God and seeking him at that altar. That altar can become a portal of heaven where angels will ascend and descend in your home. Angels will ascend and descend right where you are. There will be a portal that they'll be literally coming from heaven to earth and in using your home, your altar as a portal. 
angelic activity guaranteed around your godly altar. I'm just showing you the power of a godly altar. And so this was a portal. This was a portal of heaven. This was, this was, he said, the gate of heaven. He saw the angels ascending and descending. And he said, well, this is a special place. And so your altar that you set up, your place that you pray, you set up your altar there. That will become, can become a portal of heaven. A part of the gate of heaven, a portal where they literally access. And angels are literally going, making access coming through, through your home, through, your, through the altar you raised. I'm helping you understand the power of this altar. And it will speak out against every evil altar trying to work against you. And of course, you still come up against those evil altars, setting the fire, etc., destroying the priest behind those evil altars. But I'm just showing the power of this godly altar that's going to cry out on your behalf. And, and how you literally can have an open portal of heaven in your home, wherever you set up your godly altar. Because it's a place where you meet God. It's a place where you meet God. And so, and follow me now. And so, so he discovered a portal of heaven. And so there are places God will send you. Hear me clearly. There are places God will send you because it's where his glory will dwell. Hear me clearly. There are places God will send you because it's where his glory will dwell. And you want to be where God's hand is. You want to be where God's glory is. And the good news is that you are a glory carrier. You, 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 are, you are a living ark of the covenant where God's glory can rest upon you. So think about it. God's glory resting upon you. God's glory and fire coming upon your godly altar. Think about the manifestation. Think about the power that's, that's just illuminating coming out of your secret place. Why do you think Jesus walked in so much power when he came out of his secret place? And so I'm showing the power of raising a godly altar. And so, again, you're a glory carrier. So there are also specific places that he will send you where his glory will greatly dwell or is greatly dwelling. He will also send you places where you will need to bring his glory. It will be places that he wants his glory to dwell. So he sends you. So he sends you and connects you with others to continue to push uh, 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 the kingdom of God forward. Can you push the kingdom of God forward? And 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 I, I give you an example, personal example. You know, when, when the Lord was dealing with me and my wife at the same time, um, uh, last year, about, about um, and I didn't know we didn't know it at the same time about uh, moving to Atlanta, back to Atlanta. I already lived in Atlanta for seven years, so I I didn't want to go back to Atlanta. I was done with Atlanta. I didn't have a problem with Atlanta. It just I was been there, done that, and I just said I was married to it. I knew that there was some, maybe was some ministry things I had to do in Atlanta. But he started dealing with me, started dealing with her. And then next thing you know, he said, OK, Atlanta's going to be the ministry headquarters what, uh, uh, that you're going to set up to the ministry headquarters of Upper Room Kingdom is going to be in Atlanta, Georgia. OK, all right. So and then the more he began me more, more downloads, then I began to get more excited. At first, I wasn't necessarily excited about it because I was like, oh, I've been there. I mean, I don't really, really, really want to go back to live, you know. Uh, and then I, the excitement began to come once I began to understand the assignment. He began to show me what was going to take place, why he was sending us there and what he wanted us to do there and about his glory and the great revival and et cetera. And then he started putting all the pieces together. And so again, sometimes he will send you to a place where he wants to bring his glory. Where his glory and, and he showed me, he showed me, he said that when it's said and done, that, that, that Atlanta is going to become uh, the prayer capital of the United States. And, and I was hard to fathom, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but 
knowing what he's saying, what he's doing in it, and 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 the remnant that he's raising up, the warriors such as yourself, he's raising up, and he's strategically planning us all across the globe. Is that the only location? No, but that's just our headquarters. That that's that's where we know he's dwelling for for us, right? So so it's understanding times and season, what he wants you to do, and at least this we have us to dwell for now, right? And so and so I'm I'm, I'm putting it in perspective for you now, and so and so he said okay. And then to the point that that when he when we left South Carolina, we're coming to Atlanta this year, and he was like, "I'm and, and he, we got the vision." He said that I'm, I'm he said if God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and a band of angels who literally was escorting us into that region, planting us into that region, and literally we were we were coming out of the heart of God, out of the heart of God. Because of an assignment. Now, granted, we can't do it by ourselves. It's going to be others that he's already connecting us with and an accelerate fellowship with that. That's going because one person can't take a region. Right. It's going to take others and warriors coming together to take a region. But I knew we knew that. OK, this is what God is dwelling for us. This is where his glory it, he is and what he wants it to be. For what he's doing, a part of this great revival and, and, and many other places. For, so he sent you as where he's planning his glory to be. What he's planted you is where he expects you to flourish. So I'm just giving you some examples here. And so it, it, it and sometime will be a place that you be like you might not, might not be excited about the first or you might be like, ah, you know, I don't know, or, or been there, done that, you know, whatever case would be, oh Lord, why are you give me this assignment? We've all been there, different things. But once you get it, it put he puts it all begin to puts it in perspective, right? And so he will send you places where he, where where you will need to bring his glory. And it will be places again where he wants his glory to dwell. And so he sends you. And so when you seem to hear God clear in certain places or God keeps sending you back to a certain place, that may be a that may be a spiritual portal. Which certain things are released to you at a much more rapid pace. For some of you, it could be a certain place like 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 that, that you like to go to pray. You know, a, a certain place you like to go to pray when you can. It could be a place in your home. It could be in your car. That's why it's good to have, again, a place that, you know, you can go to pray. And this is why it's good to raise a godly altar. The place where there is no doubt you and God meet there. A place where you can lay out your petitions. Where yes, you can erect an altar in the spirit anywhere you are. Absolutely. Keep that in mind. Anywhere you go, you can erect a godly altar in the realm of the spirit. But it's an added bonus to erect a physical altar somewhere. And you can have it in more than one place. And so in verse 18, we're almost done here. We see that Jacob got the stone that he had slept on and made it into an altar. Because he encountered God there. It was a memorial. Remember I said at the beginning that an altar is also a memorial unto God. It was a memorial that he raised unto God. A godly altar, again, can be a memorial to what God has done. And so it's your place to go and prepare to execute your victory on earth. And the petition that you laid out on the altar that manifests, the altar will be a reminder of what God has said. It will be a reminder of your many victories. Every time you come to that altar, you were reminded of the many victories, the petition that you had on that altar or in that altar that you now took off because it's already done, because you see the manifestation of it, the things you can scratch off now. It will be a reminder of so much that took place between you and God. And so in this season, God is shifting many from one place to another. From one place to another. He's sending you to a place where you can hear from him much clearer. He's taking you out of the familiar. But it's so new for some of you that you're tempted to hold on to the old, even though it's draining you, even though it's sucking you dry. 
because it's comfortable. I know that feeling. So if God left you there, if God left you there and went somewhere else, it will be in your best benefit to go where God is and where he wants you to be. Where he wants you to be. Hello, somebody. Where, where he wants you to be. Someone said, uh, Billy Graham prophesied that Atlanta will be a central city of prayer. That's awesome. I didn't even know that. So just confirmation even there. Amen. Well, Kimmy said, I want to move. I have no church home in my city. Five years, sad, no church here. Uh, well, you got to see when God is when God's doing a new thing, you got to catch in the realm of the spirit. Because when we think church to him, we all automatically think building. I got to go to a church building. You know what I'm saying? And and Upper Room Canaan, we have no church building yet. And the Lord has not released us to have no church building yet. We will all, all across the globe. But this is church. And for some of you, this is your church home. Those who are already partners or members, quote unquote, of Upper Room Kingdom. So I'm going to put that in perspective for you that you got to sometimes we get caught up in church how we know it. And when God is doing a new thing, we got to be sending to the realm of the spirit. What is God saying? What is God telling? What is God showing me? He's doing a new thing. And it's so new, like I said, that it's, it, it, it takes you out of comfort. It takes you out of what you know. It takes you what you've been used to. I wasn't used to this. Because I, I was a church boy. I grew up in the church my whole life. So this whole concept. The God began to give me, I, it was weird to me. I, it was hard when I would talk to pastors and be like, well, yes. they like, so wait, you pastor, but you don't have a building? How, how does, so you pastor, so you say you got a church in South Africa, you got raised church in Kenya and Switzerland. What, where is all this? How, that makes no sense. So, and, and you could feel them looking at you crazy, some of them looking at you cross-eyed like, as far as crazy that we got a church, he pastoring. How are you gonna pastor people don't have a building? Don't forsake, don't forsake the fellowship of the believers. But God gave a system, God gave a strategy on how to do that, where, where they could still feel at home, they could still feel connected, still be connected, and, and many other things that, that he's showing us. But for me, it was it was a stretch. It was uncomfortable for me until I became comfortable. This is what God is doing. God's doing a new thing. I'm excited. He chose me to be a part of this. And I guarantee you, many will follow this model as it continues to, to evolve. And so, and so I'm showing you, I'm showing you that we have to be sensitive to what God is doing and saying. Put it, put it, put it in perspective for you now. And so as I prepare to close, so, so you should pray over your house because you're supposed to have spiritual jurisdiction over your home. But in some homes, demons control the gates and only allow so much in and so much out. So you have to take back control of the gates. If that's the case. And in verse 20 to 22, Jacob made a vow unto God that if God was with him to protect him and take care of him and that he would be able to return in peace, that God would be his God and that the altar he set up would be the house of God. And he would also sow a tenth of his increase. That's the tithe, the tithe, the tithe. He said, I also tithe unto you. This is going to be the house of God. So he came in covenant with God because he 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 had an encounter with God. And he made a vow unto God that I will serve you. You are my God. You, and it, this was his first true encounter with God. He, he heard about this God through his ancestors, through his grandfather, et cetera, and, 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 and parents. But now he knew God for himself. He encountered, he said, I know God was here. He had his own encounter with God. And knowing that God's presence was here, and we know that he had many other encounters. 
And so, so he came into covenant with God from that encounter that he had with God. At your godly altar, you will have encounters with God because it is you and God's meeting place, your secret place, your secret meeting place. When you go and say, I'm going to steal away and go into my closet or where my altar set up and spend time with God and put sacrifices on this altar or in this altar, however you set up your altar. Amen. So erecting holy golly altars, I think I've kind of reiterated over and over and over again that it's not mandatory, but the importance of the mystery behind why it's important or a great idea to set up a godly altar in your home or et cetera, wherever, wherever, or in many different places that you choose uh, and, 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 and the power that comes from that altar and the blood of Jesus crying out on your behalf and on behalf of those you, you put on, praying for, et cetera, on that altar, bringing things back to life that were dead. That the enemy tried to bury, that the enemy tried to try to destroy, bringing it back, resurrecting it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so that's all we have today. The first call, if you're not saved, look, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Christ came and you may have life and have it more abundantly. So if you have not accepted Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you heard this word, you heard the power of raising a godly altar, this being in, that can only come through being in covenant with God. Only through being in covenant with with God through Jesus Christ. That is the only way to get to God the Father. The only way to get to Yahweh is through your covenant with him through the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're not saved and this is your first time uh, 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 and you're ready to accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you can repeat after me, Lord Jesus Christ. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus Christ. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again from the dead and you have all power in your hand. And you ascended to be back in heaven with God the Father. Come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sins. Save me now, Lord. You are my Savior. You are my Redeemer. Use me now. Accept me now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just say that for the first time, you are saved. It's that simple. And salvation is not the end. It doesn't end with salvation. It begins. Your journey is just beginning. So we rejoice with you. We praise God for you. That's your first time accepting Lord Jesus Christ. You can send an email to info at decorigreen.org. That's info at D-O-Q-U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org. And we'll give you some more information on um, some more materials to help you with your uh, your walk, your journey uh, with, with the master. All right. Amen. And so the second call is I'm talking to two different types of people. Talking to two different types of people. Again, if you know the first type of people, group of people I'm talking, if you know that this is home, if you know that I'm your pastor, I'm your spiritual covering, you heard this sound, you keep hearing this sound that's coming out of this ministry, you keep hearing this sound and the realm of the spirit, and it's bearing witness with your spirit that that's my pastor, that's what I'm getting fed from, this is where I'm growing from, this is home for me, this is home for me, no matter where you are across the globe, no matter where you are across the globe, if you know this is home, and you've been ceremonially coming and kind of ceremonially saying, yeah, I think this is my own, this is my pastor. But you haven't made that next step to send that email so you can actually get the forms and information to fill out to, to, to become a partner of Upper Room Kingdom. If that's you, send an email to info. Uh, actually, you can send it to membership at decorygreen.org or info at decorygreen.org. So either one, membership at decorygreen.org, membership at doq. U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N dot O-R-G. Membership at decorygreen.org. 
O-R-G. So if that's you, govern yourselves accordingly. Amen. There's a second type of person we talk about. Maybe you already have a church home. You're connected there. You, God's, that's where God's planted you. You're serving it, et cetera. But I still serve as more as a mentor. You can also send an email uh, 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 in, in, to, to info at decorgreen.org or membership at decorgreen.org. Uh, and you get information on how to become a partner that way. Um, where I be more of like a mentor as opposed to your actual pastor and spiritual covering. So if you're one of those two people, govern yourselves accordingly and, and don't don't continue to procrastinate. If you know that's your Holy Spirit dealing with your heart and you know this is on, then govern yourselves accordingly. Amen. And the last call is if this is good word, you've been blessed by the word, you've been stressed by the word, you've been encouraged by the word, you learn something, then you sow back into the ministry, sow back into the church. And guess what? We the gospel is free. You know, the saints go the gospel is free, but ministry costs. We can't go all across the globe. We can't continue to establish churches all across the globe and 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 and, and think th- doing things community and transforming communities without money, without generous support from you sowing back so we can do that. Everyone is not getting this word. Everyone is not hearing this word. We want to go far and wide spreading this word so that warriors of God of Christ are being raised up, being raised up. For this end time revival, being raised up to walk in your kingdom power, your kingdom authority, to preach the word, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. And so we need individuals like you to sow back in. So you can go to decoygreen.org. That's D-O-Q-U-O-I-G-R-E-E-N.org, decoygreen.org. You go to the donate tab and you sow with the Lord place on your heart to sow. And even we talked about today, that sacrifice. Some of you, some of you have never sown a sacrificial seed, a seed that hurt, a seed that stretched you. But please, whatever you do, name that seed. What are you sowing this seed for? What name it? What do you what do you want this seed to produce? What type of harvest do you want this seed to produce? Name it. And like I said, you can sow the same, keep sowing seed for the same thing as well. And so, so what name it? Write down how much you sow, how much the Lord is telling you to sow. The date that you that you sowed it, so you continue to pray on it, put it on your godly altar. It's a memorial unto God. I sowed this seed for this. I sowed this many seeds for this. This is how much I sowed for this. Sacrifices I made, offerings I made, I submitted unto you, and that the altar will cry out on your behalf, and you will reap what you sow. Amen. And I declare a hundred, a thousand for return in Jesus' name. So govern yourself according. So again, that's the coregreen.org. Go to the donate tab and govern yourselves accordingly. Amen. Awesome. So that is all that we have this. I'm going to close out in prayer. Uh, and of course, tomorrow, of course, Monday through Friday, uh, our, our um, Warriors Prayer Closet, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be here again uh, for our, uh, our prayer, morning prayer uh, in warfare. So uh, that's every Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Amen. Father God, we come now to the end of yet another Bible study. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the word that went forth on tonight. We thank you, God, for just letting us know the importance of raising a godly altar, oh God. We thank you, oh God, for the mystery, oh God, that you revealed to us, oh God, of the power of a godly altar, oh God, because we know, oh God, all the enemies may try to raise their evil altars, oh God. We know, oh God, that our godly altar is far more powerful. No one takes one altar to speak against so many altars that try to work against us. So I send a fire of God now to destroy every evil altar that's been erected against these your people. And I destroy every evil priest that's been working those evil altars in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare your spirit of peace will rest upon these your people that they will apply this word to their life. They will apply it to their lives in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God. If this word will take root 
It won't just be another good word, but they will apply it to their lives and take it seriously. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for open doors, oh God. I thank you, God, for the altars, your godly altars speaking on their behalf and crying out on their behalf. I thank you for breakthrough and blessings and miracles in their lives, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, send your ministry angels to minister unto these, your people. I release the heavenly host to fight on their behalf, oh God. We thank you, we thank you, we praise you, oh God. We glorify you, and these are blessed we ask in your son Jesus' name. We pray, amen, amen, and amen. Uh, someone said, Jody, how do you sanctify it? Do you just make a spot? And say in prayer that it's an altar. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's you 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 say, Lord, I, I'm submitting. I'm raising this holy altar unto you. This is a place that me and you will meet. I, I cover it in the blood of Jesus, and that's it. You you just submit it unto Him. It's that simple. It's that simple. And you can pray over it. You know, the spot or wherever, etc. Or, or the altar. Pray over it. Um, that the Lord will meet you there. And and, it, and it's that simple. Amen. God bless you, Kimberly. I'm glad you were able to catch the replay. Amen. So again, make sure you go back. Please make sure you go back and listen to this throughout the week. Don't you not? Gonna, I assure you, you're not going to get this all in one sitting. Holy Spirit will begin to reveal more to you as you go back and listen to it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as usual, remember that you are the breath of God and God never wastes a breath. This is the Apostle the Court bringing sign out. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. See you tomorrow morning for prayer. Warriors, thank you for tuning in to the Spiritual Warfare Network podcast and applying today's teaching. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow Apostle Green on social media.